0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to Emerging Ease, where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy, and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. Hello, hello, and welcome to Emerging Eve. I'm your host, Keisha, and you are tuned into the Bachelor News Radio Network. Feel free to call 646-929-0130 or send questions to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA-Bachelor. Um, you can also send an email at Emerging Eve, all one word. Um, at gmail.com. Again, that's Emerging ease at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group. Um, sometimes I put inspirational stuff in there. Sometimes things that just make you laugh because we need those laughs in life. And um, as well as information about upcoming shows, sometimes I'll also ask questions I take a poll. So feel free to join and interact with uh, others that are in the group. Um, Today, we are going to focus on challenging self. This is part two. And with today, we're looking at things that impact our self-esteem, so from the outside, uh, from the inside out. Uh, last week, we did from the outside in. Um, with the things that we look at today, we'll look at things that negatively can impact self-esteem. Also, we'll clearly talk about what self-esteem is. Uh, we will also then talk about things to improve self-esteem. So if you have any questions, feel free to um, to post those questions, send them in, whatever you need to do. All right. With self-esteem, what self-esteem is, is confidence in one's own worth or ability uh, and self-respect? That's the the definition we get from Oxford, okay? Um, Self-esteem basically is your overall opinion of yourself, how you feel about your abilities and your limitations, okay? So it's not just I'm the best at everything and I don't have anything wrong, but we also have a view of what we want to improve within ourselves, okay? So with self-esteem, comes, as we talked about last week, we talked about what judgments are like from the outside in, okay? But personal judgments are very difficult to deal with and to challenge because you're the only person that's able to challenge them because they're within you. With challenging those personal judgments and those personal evaluations of self, um, we have to really be mindful of what are we looking to accomplish, with things that we're looking to accomplish, for one, let's just be honest, nobody is able to do everything all the time the exact way you would like it to be done. No one is. That's just a limit we have as people. With saying that, we need to be able to take away the unrealistic uh, expectations that lead to negative self-evaluation, which means um, It can lead to self-blame, self-criticism. And in that self-blame and self-criticism, we have to look at are these things really and truly valid? When we criticize ourselves and say, oh, I'm a horrible person, I couldn't figure out, you know, this thing or I didn't get to complete this project when I wanted to, is this really true? Are you really a horrible person? Ten chances out of ten, you're not. The thing is we have to take away that want to be some version of what we assume is perfect. Perfection is not what we need to look for. Uh, perfection is is something that uh, evades us all. We have to be mindful of that. When we are looking for um, the the things that we are wanting to do, look at the simple fact that if this doesn't happen, then what? If it doesn't go the way I want, then what? What can I learn from it? That's that's the main thing. What can you learn from it? Everything you do is not going to be a success. Let's just put that out in the atmosphere. Um, when we go through things, we have to look at, If it was not the success I anticipated it to be, what did I learn? Actually, did I even find a different path in life? And I'll give you like a small story about myself. When I first went to college, and my friends can attest to this, I went to Prairie View A&M. And when I got to Prairie View, because I was not focused on my education, I was focused on living life and going to all the parties and doing everything. I got straight F, solid, straight F, not even a D in in the crew, straight F. Now with that, I could have taken that experience based on my choice, okay, you see how I'm highlighting choice, based on my choice and had a very negative self-critique of myself. Well, I'm never going to finish college. I'm never going to be on track with my friends. I'm never going to have a career. I've never, I could have done that and I could have allowed myself to stay in that. However, I had to recognize that the evaluation I gave myself had to be uh, mindful of that was a a poor choice I made to not attend any class. Uh, No, I I take that back. I think I went to one, and that was a math class at 8 a.m., which I will never (laughs) encourage anyone to do. That one class I made it to. I never knew where the other classes were because I never went don't know who the professors are, They, because I, I never went. So in that evaluation, I have to look at what the facts are. The facts are I made a poor choice. I have to own that. People, we make poor choices. Now, with that, what I chose to do after that was reevaluate what do I really want. Do I want to keep uh, doing the, the jobs that I felt like, dang, I could do a lot more if I had an education, you know? So you have to be very valid and and challenge yourself with facts. I always encourage people, when you look at a situation, when you look back at a situation, what are the facts of that situation? Not the I feel, I think, well, I think they were thinking or anything like that or I should have. For one, I tell people throw the word should away because all that does is put on extra stress and pressure uh, for you. But – Look at the facts of it. If you made a poor decision, you made a poor decision. That doesn't mean you're a horrible person. That just means you are a person. And that's exactly what we do. We learn from our choices, the positive ones as well as the negative ones, okay? So in that evaluation, when you are looking to criticize yourself, be honest with yourself. I'm a person. I have limitations. Um. If you begin to feel like um, in the way you look at things that um, you begin to isolate yourself or withdraw because you don't feel like you should enjoy things because, oh, I'm such a horrible person, that's impacting your self-esteem very, very much. Just because something does not go the way you want it to does not mean, mean it's a failure. Many times that not getting to the point you want it to get to is actually a success. And that's what we need to start realizing as people. Um, imagine, oh, my goodness, I cannot recall, uh, George Washington Carver, okay, with the peanuts and all the things he created with peanuts. He had many failures. He even wrote about the many failures he had. But what he did also, write is what he learned from the things that did not go the way he wanted them to go, did not go the way he expected them to go. And that is one thing we need to really uh, concentrate on is what are we learning from these situations we're experiencing? For one, do we need to identify, hey, I need to make better choices. I need to figure out a way to change the way I make decisions. Because 99.999% of the time, if we look at and evaluate uh, the process of decision making that we have, we will be able to actually find what the concern is. It's the way I think about stuff. It's the way I jump to making a decision or feel like I have to be, I pressure myself into making a decision that I think other people would expect or would appreciate. Your life is just that. It's yours. You have to take ownership of it. You have to look at what you want to get out of life, who you are, Okay. Now the the old cliche is, you know, everyone is unique. We honestly are. Even if you're a twin, you are different in at least one way from your from your sibling, from your twin. But you have to embrace the uniqueness of you. Look at the the way um you present, the way you interact with people, um, the way you move forward in life. You have to be mindful of accepting and appreciating who you uniquely are, and that's okay. Now, the things that influence our self-esteem, first and foremost, one of the most influential things about our self-esteem, especially as we're younger, are the people that we're around, which is usually family as well as friends, okay? Okay. The people that you're around will be able to pour into you. Now, you, as a person, have the responsibility, and um, I'm emphasizing responsibility, to decide who you accept from. Because just because somebody has a jug and they're pouring doesn't mean you have to turn your cup up and accept what they're pouring out. So when a person is pouring something out into your life, you have that uh, decision to to think about it, you have the ability to determine do I want this or do I not and if you choose that you don't want it, you don't have to accept it. you don't have to take it in. Communication and relationships with others are very active, okay they never really stagnate unless they end in that activity. We as individuals, unique individuals, have to determine what is good for me, what's not good for me. Now, if someone is telling you, hey, don't touch the hot stove because you'll hurt yourself, that's one thing. They're looking out for your safety. But if they're pouring negativity into you, then you have to look at the only thing they have to pour from is negativity. Is that really what you want to receive? Now, depending on that person's uh, level of interaction with you, or their position in your life, you may not be able to completely cut off from them, but you can determine what you choose to receive from them and what you don't choose to receive from them. It's very, it's a very uh, active, ongoing cycle. Even as adults, you make choices on who you choose to receive from and who you choose not to receive from. Um, that can directly impact the way you view yourself. Um how other people react to you. If you perceive their reaction is negative, instead of um, asking the question like, what's going on? Why are you interacting with me like this? We often internalize it. Well, it must be something wrong with me. But what about this as a question to challenge that? What if something is not going so well for them? What if it's got absolutely nothing to do with you? That's where self-blame can come in. Be mindful that a person chooses on how they interact with you, just like you choose how they, how you choose to interact with them. If a person is giving you negativity, don't automatically say, well, it's got to be something I'm doing. It's got to be something about me. No, 100% of the time, it's got something to do with them. Don't take ownership in something that you can never uh, actually have an, an impact on, which is their choice on how to interact with you. Now going back to the, where I was talking about depending on a person's role in your life, our experiences at home, at school, in our community, at work, very much impact our self-esteem. If you grew up and you were told, um, you're just like whoever, whoever, you'll never be anything, or um, nobody in this family makes it past whatever, whatever. Uh, no one in this family uh, does well in life, so just accept that. That does not have to be you. Yet again, if you choose to accept what someone pours in or pours out of their picture uh, into your life, that that's your choice. But you have to be mindful how that impacting. Why keep reliving and uh, regenerating negativity that has gone on? Be the person that stops it so that no one else has to deal with it no one else has to experience that your children don't have to be mindful that your interactions are uh, a direct ripple effect of what you grew up around um what you're even allowing to maintain in your life and think about what is that ripple effect what what am i choosing to allow to go on okay self-esteem can also be impacted by age now i want to put some um some extra arms and legs on that. With age, usually when we're younger and you feel like, hey, I look wonderful, my body is right, my health is wonderful, I'm just taking multivitamins. If I choose to, I can run and do a run and do. Some people feel like as they physically age that they're not at their best. Um, Challenge that. I will say physically, I could was more agile in my twenties uh however, I am loving my forties my forties are awesome they are awesome. I've never felt wiser uh, more stable more uh able to uh interact across uh different uh different uh interactions with people like whether it's business pleasure whatever it you have to look at what am i learning about myself at this point some people as they get older their self-esteem goes down well you know especially even if a person is single they'll say well you know nobody's going to want to date me i'm 50 something i'm 60 something how do you feel about you Because if you have a positive outlook about you, you will put that out there in that light, it will draw somebody. It will. And we'll talk about that uh, in in upcoming shows. But be mindful that um, some people also may feel insecure with being younger than the other people they are around, especially in work. Well, I have less experience in the field. I'm just getting started. That is not about you. Everyone starts somewhere. But make sure you are able to listen to and take in the wisdom that is shared with you wherever you are. Some people's self-esteem is impacted by their role and their status in society, especially in relation to money. Money, 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 money. Um, things should not be wrapped up. And I use the word should, so I apologize. So I told you all will throw it away. Self-esteem, when it is wrapped up, I'll put it like that, in something that is tangible, that can be taken away by anyone, by anything at any time, is not safe, okay? So if you wrap yourself in money or expensive things to feel like now I have value because of these things, what if something happens and those things are taken away? Someone can steal them. It can be a house fire. It can be, hey, I had to take him to the pawn shop, so I need to pay the electric bill, whatever it is. When those things are gone, who are you standing there without all the name brands and uh, designer outfits and um, shoes galore and everything? Who are you, though? If you identify that, gosh, I honestly wrap myself up in things to keep from having to um, uh, do anything as far as challenge myself and what how I feel about myself, that's a concern. Because if you are only presenting with the things, then guess what? When people are interacting with you, they're not interacting with you for who you are. They're interacting with you because of those things. And once they get those things or get gain access to those things, you are no longer needed. So your value is really just a doorway to the thing. So look at it like this. When you present yourself, what is a person getting from you that they can only get from you? That shows that you are working on improving and reinforcing your self-esteem. It shouldn't be, well, the car I drive, that attracted the person. What about you attracted that person? Uh, and not about physique, so don't go walking around naked time to say, well, my self-esteem is wonderful now that no one is seeing the things, well, we need you to cover up, don't catch a cold or, or anything else. But what is it about you internally that, that can draw a person, that can connect with a person, that can pour something positive into another person, that will want that person to say, you know what, because I met this person, now I can challenge myself to be better, to, to look at myself. Okay. Oh my goodness. I I almost wish at some point we could turn the hands of time back uh and look at uh social media. Um before I go into that, I wanted to uh remind you all that on Fridays we have um oh goodness, where is that? at? Gonna see my, my person. Oh. Um, that you can listen on Fridays from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, to the featured artist, which this week will be Cameo. Hey, word up. Uh, Also, every Sunday through Friday from 8 p.m. to midnight, listen to Whisper Softly on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you're uh, interested in advertising on the show, make sure you email us at labachelor.com forty and I'll spell that out. L A B is in Boy. A T is in Tom. C H E as in Edward. L O R four zero. The number four, the number zero at gmail dot com. Advertising would be amazing. Um we were talking about social media messages. First and foremost, many of us know and if you don't know, I'm Gary I'll tell you the secret that many of the uh, social media models, are, their their bodies are processed. We'll just call it that, okay? You can go to a plastic surgeon or whoever and get whatever lifted, tucked, wrapped around, sucked out, flattened, all of that, um, to look any certain kind of way, okay? With that being said, when you are challenging yourself to look like these people, that have poured thousands of dollars into surgery, they couldn't even do it. So why should you be able to? Um, With these waist straps, now I'm not saying anything about the waist straps. I, you know, use them every now and again because my my tummy, I don't want to be looking like I'm (laughs) getting ready to give birth. However, be realistic with yourself. Everyone's body shape is meant to be different. Everyone is meant to be different because different people are attracted to different things. I'm talking about the right now. Not everybody wants the Instagram model-shaped person. Somebody might just want somebody that looks like a regular person walking down the street, not someone that, that looks like, you know, hey, if, if they eat one extra Cheeto or drink one extra ounce of water, it's over. Something's gonna bust or pop, so challenge yourself with and as as you know, this is a lot toward women, but men do it too. I saw a video probably a couple of weeks back, and this man i didn't I had never seen it before his forearm his uh upper arms and biceps looked like they were bubbled, and so I talked to my husband I'm like, What the heck is this Because like, his forearms were really skinny. I was like, okay, I don't I don't get it. Something's wrong. This gentleman had injected oil into his muscles to make him look bigger. So it's not just women nowadays. I was, I was outdone. I never knew about all that stuff. And just to have someone to, to pay more attention to you, if you have to hurt yourself or deform your body for someone to pay attention to you, for one is saying that you don't think a lot about yourself but two, it's giving that other person way too much power and controlling the way you, you perceive yourself. Look at yourself and whatever your body can do through your workouts or through your and through your diet, then that's you. Run with it. Love it. Be you in all of of what you do. Be you. Yeah, uh another thing is uh it used to be that uh Women always got the flag for, you know, hair weave and extensions and all this stuff. Well, men, y'all are catching up with us. Now, the thing with that is, what if, um, without all of that, who would you be? Because it's material. God forbid it rains. Some y'all in this spray-painted hair. And, uh, yeah, it's over. Then what? You put on this whole facade because the inside you, is not ready to say, Hey, my physical is doing this. I gotta rock with it. This is what I got going on. I'm gonna be the best in what I got going on. And so many times we look to um others to say, Okay, well that should be what I look like. That should be my norm. That is what is expected of me. No, it's not. No it's not. It's I mean, some of these folks we see on social media, they're gorgeous or handsome or whatever. Why does that have to be the only way to express being gorgeous and being handsome? Um, Lizzo is gorgeous. She doesn't fit the Instagram model, right? So look at other ways to present yourself that reinforce um, who you are in your self-esteem. So I'm going to give you some things to think about in improving um, self-esteem, okay, from the inside out. For one, you do you. Do you. Be you. Be 100% who you are. If you have a slight limp, just set limp up and keep it moving. If your hair is, if you saved your head bald or if you're balding and you decide to save your hair off, do you. I have seen so many women that have shaved their hair off, and they are gorgeous. I get it. My head is not safe right for that, but go ahead. You do you. You be happy with you because at the end of it all, when you go to sleep at night, if you are so worried about other people and what they think of you based off of what you wear, how you interact with, with them, and you're trying to hold up this persona, you are not going to be happy with yourself and it's going to negatively impact your self-esteem. Remember that you are not perfect. No one is perfect, and no one is meant to be perfect. You're perfectly where you are right now in this moment, and then the next moment will be very different. So enjoy the moment, but you, there's no such thing as, okay, once I get to this level, everything's going to be perfect. no. Even if you go get all the surgery and you go get all the whatever that's put in or you do all the injections and stuff, what happens after that gets old? Because you know that does get old. You know, even with the, the people that are the Instagram models, if they can't hold a conversation, they're not going to be dating people for long. That's about anything because that person's going to get bored because they don't even know the, the model person doesn't even know who they are. So make sure in whatever you do, you own and celebrate who you are. With celebration, identify what are your successes. Successes don't have to be the big, huge things. Like, oh, I've done 10 years of blah, 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 or whatever. It does not have to be the big, huge stuff, okay? Your successes could be, I got up this morning and I made my bed before I went to work. That's a success. Celebrate it. Now, you don't have to go out and buy stuff or go have a big, huge dinner, but give yourself that, that cheering time. Cheer for yourself. I made it to work on time. Matter of fact, 10 minutes early. Cheer for yourself. Celebrate the small successes throughout the day. Those are the very things that help you to identify, I am making progress. I do have value. I do care about myself. I am not stagnant. Okay. Focus on what you are able and you want to change. And I don't like the word change necessarily. I, I prefer the word improve. What do you want to improve about yourself? And then figure out a way to do it. If you want to improve your physical fitness, I want to become more physically fit uh, to be, uh, to improve my stamina, whatever it is go do that you don't have to go join the the local gym if you don't want to if you don't feel comfortable with that yet get out and walk somewhere there's all kinds of walking trails you need fresh air anyway as fresh as it can possibly be get out and do something get a jump rope jump rope on uh in your front room in your garage whatever you have in the yard do something do something to say okay you know now I can see myself progressing this way. I can also envision myself progressing in other ways. So do things like that. All right. I have so ran out of time. I apologize. So I want to thank you for tuning in today. Um, I hope that today's discussion has been and will continue to be helpful to you and in your life's journey. You're listening to Emerge News with Keisha on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Kisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keith.
1: back to the show. We thank you for joining us. Mine is playing some tricks on you right now. But not with the guy who's on the line. He don't be playing tricks. He keep it real with you. And that's how we get down. Uh, of uh, Good to have him on uh, from the HBCU Sports, Sports Media Association and of course the Black College Sports Network. He is AD drill Ad. Always good, man, to get you on and get your 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 thoughts on everything that's going on with HB that Listen, um, I think last week we talked about you know that flash those talents that will come in, uh, like Prime and Eddie George and other people to come in and you know maybe. Help crew um from an hbc standpoint now we hear and there's rumors and i don't know and maybe you know better than i do um rumors that prime might be uh, a prime no pun intended candidate for the usc job that'd be southern Cal. um that that could be the drawback even if he doesn't get it ad um and i asked dr cavill who's a friend of ours as you know you know is that going to be one of those things if we're going to be bringing in the 80 grooves of the world that's going to be the name and and, and that for a year or maybe two is that going to help or hurt the hbcu
2: well in my opinion first of all uh thank you ella for uh letting me be on the show once again you know uh If 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 we do this a couple more times, you may have to put my name in the uh, title line of the uh, show. But that's a different story now, my brother. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously though, uh, if pride going to a major job, a historically white division one job, you know, yes, it hurts. The HBCU he beat initially, yes, it hurts HBCUs as a whole initially because of the attention that he, that he brought. But, look, HBCU football, the fans that go to a football are four, five generations deep. Whereas, unless you're talking about a USC, at University of Alabama, or some of these other schools. Most of those schools are only one, maybe two generations deep with their fandom. So, right. yes, it, it, it will hurt initially. It's going to take some attention away, but part of that is going to be who replaces Pine. Is, is it a Dennis Thurman, who's on, who's his defensive coordinator, right on, on his staff, who's a, who's another former NFL player, or one of those coaches who? Or on his staff that spent a lot of time coaching with the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be that bad because the HBCU product is not going anywhere. We didn't, we didn't want the attention, we didn't need the attention, but we are doggone sure take it now.
3: Right,
1: but I, I just think that you know, if if I, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at it purely from a recruiting standpoint. If you know you freshman or coming in as a freshman and prime is your coach and two years later he leaves then you know obviously that talent's going to leave it. then maybe do you wonder about talent moving forward because again HBCUs it's not about you know PWIs where you can go to Ohio State and you're going to get your playing time and whatever you know, I mean, and, and we know that the exposure will be there anyway, but I'm just saying that, you know, if, you, if you're if going for prime, or if you're going for Eddie George or in basketball, you're going for whoever, uh, you know, and they're not there, does that affect the recruiting um, long
2: term? This is a business bro. If you as a high school athlete or as a transfer athlete don't realize that your coach may not be there next year, then I don't know what you have been doing for the last 20 to 30 years. Hmm. It's always year to year. That's part of the reason that they had to come up with a transfer transfer portal to satisfy these athletes because coaches had the freedom to move and athletes did not have the freedom to move. So you know this anyway. Scholarships are not four-year scholarships. They are one-year renewable scholarships, and you get right. the opportunity to renew it four, five times, depending on depending on the circumstances with red shirts and, and, and things like that. So this is a business, and if, if you're an athlete, you would be crazy, or as I say, you'd be stupid to not support a person who puts themselves in a in a position to better their lifestyle, their family. And let's be real. The most you're going to make at an HBCU as a head coach is 300 mm. Three, That's 300000 even, even a prime? Yeah. You know, the prime even can't a, go higher than even, that? You don't have the money. You don't. These schools don't have the money to pay their coaches more than about than about uh, three hundred thousand dollars. Now, when you take a Nick Saban at the University of Alabama, who's making about eight to ten a year, you take a Dabo Sweeney who's making it, in that same ballpark. Then, you know the difference. But those schools can can pay it. But think, believe you me, the school itself is not paying. Nick Saban, ten million dollars. That right. money comes from the outside boosters and, so, and outside supporters. The school may be paying him a, a million dollars or something like that. That other eight, that other seven, eight, nine million dollars comes from outside resources to supplement that contract. That's why that, that's why that compensation package is, is built like that. So our schools don't have the infrastructure to pay those coaches like that. And I'm pretty sure Prime is getting some type of commission off of the money that he helps raise, just like A.D. Robinson at Jackson State is getting some type of commission off of the money that he helps raise for the school. That's the business of sports. That's the business of college athletics. And if I just bust somebody's bubble by saying that,
4: I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) But it's it's the truth, and and I think the only reason you bring me on here is because I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. it I'm, and gonna, I'm it. gonna put it out there, decide like I ain't gonna put nobody's personal business out there. But I will tell you the inner workings and, and 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 some of the things I know without telling people out. If you understand what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> well, and that's exactly why I have you on because I know that you always gonna keep it real with what's going on. Now, with that being said, so what I, I, I had a conversation before we get to the top 10. I had a conversation with someone that was talking about the fact that, you know, a Nick Saban, and I'm just I'm keeping 100, just throwing him up. Nick Saban could take his Alabama kids, and Alabama might be a, a aberration because they, they're, you know, all they keep going everywhere, like every... I mean, there go, um, NFL team. But um, let's say a Cardinal Maynard, right, as you know who he is and the talent and offensively, especially that he will bring, maybe won't have the same connection to the NFL. His kid going somewhere and even specifically, AD, his old office of coordinator, defensive coordinator, whatever, go in there and say, hey, grab this kid because I remember when he was there at our program, this is what's going on. So the, so the concern that uh, someone had brought up is that we don't have the Deion Sanders, the prime times, then we don't have the Nick Saban to the uh, Bill Belichick or to Carlisle, Maynard, to wherever, because um, the fact that we don't get the, the, the A, the, 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 the kids that we want, those uh, blue chippers, and then B, that we don't have those connections from the coach's standpoint because we don't get the opportunity. And that was a – I had to take a step back and think about that for a minute, A.D. I was like, you know what? I mean, because Kyle Young, man, I just thought, but just talking about Coach Maynard just in general. I mean, you know him. And and then you look at a bunch of different great coaches that are still coaching at the HBC level. So we don't have the the two us or, you know, whoever. We can go, oh, yeah, I was his quarterback coach. So let's have this kid because we don't have those relationships. have the relationships in college, but we don't have them moving forward to the pro. So let's start from that. And if it's unrealistic to even think at the HBCU level that we can have those relationships, those kids forward, um, even at HBCU a quarterback, whatever the position it would be, into the um, – level? Uh,
2: Look, most of these coaches that we have on the HBCU level, yes, most of them did not play at the next level. But you've got a lot of these coaches who played in Canada, professional ball, and there's right. nothing wrong with going to get the paycheck up in Canada.
1: That's right.
2: Have played in uh, played in other leagues, or, ha- or or have played with the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, or a coach of the Baltimore Rays or a coach of the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of these coaches are only one, two degrees of separation away from wh- who they need to talk to. Yeah. That they can get those kids' names on the draft board. But it's also going to be up to those kids, be it, they sign a, a UFDA or they get drafted to perform. And and, and, and I, I, I mean, here we go again with one, one of those reality checks. One reason that our HBCU players don't get drafted unless they are the elite is because the NFL is just like any other employee. They look for cheap flavor. Right. It is a lot cheaper for them to sign this kid who they really like as a on, on a prospect uh contract, a UFDA, than to draft him. And for the player, it's a lot easier to make the team as a UFDA than as a sixth or a seventh round draft choice. Mm. As a UFDA, they want you. You want you want them. That's why you signed the contract to go into the camp. As a draft pick, sometimes you are just taking the taking the the best available talent out there and you may not have a need for that position. Yeah, he rates the highest of everybody who's on on the board, but you already got eight eight defensive backs. This is defensive back number nine that you have between the ones you drafted and the ones who already returned on your roster. So it's a lot more advantageous if 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 you're not a day two pick, it's better to be UFDA than a than a late round draft pick.
1: You know, uh, and, and just the, the final thought on that. Um, uh, th- you know, the NFL did do the or attempted to do the HPU, um uh, what, what are you going to try out or the, what, what was it called? The HBCU um, uh, combine. Um, combine, yeah. Right. And, you know, with COVID, everything kind of pushed back a little bit. It was a little different. But, you know, uh, I, I I have a friend, AD, that worked with the Dallas Cowboys and was still a fan. So I had to rag him on that. But but, but he would always say, Listen, the talent, HBCU or not, if you're talented, they'll find you. So, my, I guess my question and comment is, that if, if it's the need for the HBCU combine, and are they really getting it right when they, so you know, they're, you know, bringing in kids from Arkansas Pine Bluff or Florida A&M or Mississippi Valley or Grambling, whatever. Are they really getting in the right, or is this sort of a cup of coffee type thing where they're just kind of trying to appease HBCUs in this
2: climate? It, 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 it's really tough. It's really tough to give you the answer, the answer that you that you're looking for, because yeah, yeah sometimes it is just a we we just bringing them in for a cup of coffee, right? You know, just, just to make it look like look like we have done our due diligence and that we're not uh, being discrimin discriminatory. am yeah. right. getting a little tongue tied right here. But sometimes it they, they 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 really do want want this kid and they want to get this kid as cheap as possible. You know you got to pay. You know it's a first round pick. You got to pay them. But if I can get you cheapest possible as a six or seven rounder or a USDA, why not go for it? But those kids that they're taking a look at at their talent, when you compare that metric to the metrics of some of the other players from other institutions, there, our metrics are always as good, if not better. Right. Our our fundamentals are as good, if not better. The the one difference is maybe we don't have some of the different training, and what I mean by technique, certain training tables. We don't have that extra strength and conditioning coach. Our kids can, can't go out and hire a personal coach just to get them ready for the combine a lot of times, whereas somebody who's at a uh, – a Troy University or Appalachian State may be able to go out and afford to hire a personal trainer just to get them ready for that, for that combat. So those are some of the little subtle differences that you, uh, that I have noticed with the, uh, with, with those combines.
1: Reggie um, in Orlando said that, you know, we don't uh, put enough into our facilities this 20 years um of facilities to uh create the environment for us to be successful in the combine um, you're that i mean there's some really really good ones out there at ad as you know i mean you can name them i can name them in terms of the weight rooms and stuff like that because we've we've covered all of these so you know what's good and we don't have to get into what's bad but he makes a great point like You know if you really want to be you know uh, from the physicality standpoint and the attractiveness standpoint you really want to make sure you know hbcus and their presidents and their ad's they want to talk about being progressive and proactive but if if the facilities don't match up it really kind of defeats purpose and it makes it puts a lot of it puts more pressure to me want the S I D, you know, the Sports Information Director.
2: Yes, I, I agree. But you also got to go back and think about the basic mission of the school and right. what state the school is in and whether the institution is private or public. What's the basic mission of the school? Is this a research school? Is this an agricultural school? Was this uh, founded as a teacher's college? Those different things play into the mentality of the of the university number one is the president a person who actually cares about sport because sports is the big is, is the greatest free advertising that you could get for your university see see north carolina a and t or is the president so focused on academics that sports is just there because you have to offer it that's the first thing you have to look at what is the uh what is the mission of the of the school is the school public or is it private once again since we're, since, since your show is based in north carolina i'll take a north carolina A&T or a north carolina City or one of the other state schools or western state you know there are certain things by law cannot do when it comes to spending money on athletics correct me if I'm wrong on that you're right you're right exactly so what you can do at a Florida A&M University you can't do at a North Carolina A&T just because of the difference in the state legislature mm. and then when you take a uh, and uh, when you, I'm going, I'm going to go to, uh, to the state of Florida. When you take a Bassoon Cookman and you take a Florida A&M, they're rivals. But Bassoon Cookman, private institution, UNTF school, FAMU, public institution, funding from the state. So there are some things that FAMU can't, can do and have to do because they get their funding from the state. There's certain things that bethune Cookman can't do or cannot afford to do because they don't have their state funding or their state backing. But they do have the freedom of not telling you everything they do because they are a private institution. Florida A and S something everything Good they day. do has to has to, has to be public knowledge. I think the listener was
1: uh, uh, mainly, he's hitting me back, uh, mainly saying the discrepancies between private and public HBCUs, the PWIs. I, I think he's saying the PWIs, private, public, still get to, you know, they get the benefit of the, doubt, the funding, whatever these it, as opposed to the HBCUs, private or um, uh, uh, public that don't get the same type of funding so he's he's comparing you know pcus to ui is is essentially what he's doing
2: yeah and and, and he's correct those schools get more because when you go to corporate america what what faces do you see more in corporate america yeah They, they most of them don't look like you and i
1: that's right
2: those those are the people who control the marketing dollars, the advertising dollars, the, the, the spending money, and things like that. The internships and stuff like that that support that university. So, if if, if your local uh uh, uh we'll, we'll take a BB&T, which is based there in Charlotte. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, right. Right. Okay. You take you take and t Who's most most of their board members, and decision makers, do not look like you and I. Where are they going to give their money to? Duke, North Carolina, right? East Forest, the, the, uh, UNC, Pembroke, those type those type of schools. You know, so that leaves us out the door. That's why those schools have those funds because they have more people who look like them who are alums of those schools in those decision making uh Places, whereas yeah. our people tend to be more entrepreneurial. Yeah, we 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 we'll give your little, uh, you know, like li- like with uh like with Sam, you we have a little eighteen eighty seven campaign eighteen dollars eighty seven cents because that's the year we were, we were founded in eighteen eighty seven. Or you'll give right. a couple hundred dollars here or five hundred dollars there, but. You know me as a when I was an entrepreneur. Yeah, me giving two hundred fifty dollars or five hundred dollars back to my university was a big deal for me. What? When you're a cor- when you're a corporate, you giving two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or two hundred billion dollars back to your university is a big deal to you. So it's all relative.
4: Mm, that's okay,
2: an
1: I excellent think point. I it, it, the, the relevancy is, is is it's really important to what you. I totally agree with that. Uh, and I do uh, uh, understand what the emailer was saying in terms of how, you know, like you said, and then you addressed it, you know. I mean, we walk into that corporate world, do they look like us or do they not look like us? And we know what the answer is. So real quick, uh, uh, Coach Barry's in the line from uh, Benedict. So when you look at uh, last week, any surprises – before we get to our top 10s, uh, any surprises in the games? I thought that A&T, and I watched them against Central this week, uh, I thought they were a little bit better against Furman. But any surprises at the mid,
2: major, and major level? I, well, since you think Coach Barry's on the line for Benedict, I'm going to start off with his team. The way that they walked Savannah down in the second half, of that game really gave me a newfound respect for the, the Benedict Tigers. You know, right. when you when you looked at Benedict coming into that game, I mean, they beat Allen, they beat Ever Waters, not two of the biggest names in HBCU football right now. So you so the so the jury was still out on them, despite the loss and. When I say that came down to the last drive and the last play of that game, it did come down to a defensive stop by Savannah State to prevent Benedict from tying that score up. Benedict came into that game ranked number two, and now I see why they were ranked number two despite the loss. So, yeah, Benedict surprised me. Benedict is going to throw some havoc into what was predicted to be the SIAC. East. They were predicted five. I doubt very seriously they finish at number five. And I will also say this: I don't think anyone in the SIAC East will finish undefeated in college. Right,
1: and and you know we talked about this game. We talked about this game last week. I t- I said to you, I said with them being undefeated, and and I'm not just saying the coach. I said if they if if savannah state beat them or if it's a close game and you know i had a vote in in the um the hbcu uh sports media uh top ten um i thought they played well they should have been uh higher obviously savannah state uh is um uh, number four in the um the the mid-major um and it's it yeah. five um but i thought that they played well against the savannah state who played during in the midst of the COVID that you gotta give them some credence. Um I know Langston Langston's done well, Albany State uh, has played well and they, they had a awesome state I, I thought would be two or three. So I think we all got it right. But yeah, Benedict I thought I thought Benedict and Lane were the two teams I was looking at that um if they did well in the last games and they and and they did, then they take a close loss. That they should be in the
2: top five.
1: You're looking at this top ten in the mid-majors. Yeah, I,
2: and the mid majors. Yeah, I agree with you. And Bowie is Bowie. Bowie is doing. Right. You take that loss to Delaware State out. Bowie is doing exactly what we what we thought Bowie would do.
3: Uh,
2: also, speaking of Benedict Allen, down there at number ten. Right to make that win over Allen look better than it did at the time that they beat Allen. Allen right. uh, with, with uh, two wins uh, on the season. Let's see if Allen is a is uh, a pretender or they are for real. So right. I, I really want to see what Allen and the better Allen does, the better that win for uh, Benedict looks. In the, in yeah, and, then, of, and I'm and I'm one of the, and I'm one of the voters on on the on this poll also with you, so I want to throw right. that out. The other
1: yeah, and then, in this poll, is, and, then, and the Fourth Valley, State. I think Alabama with Fourth Valley State coming up. That's that's their measure right there. You be Fourth Valley yeah. State, then yeah, yeah, I, I, get I get it. And and the measures yeah. real quick, Alabama A and M. I'm with you. I mean, I'm with everybody. They should still be number one. Uh, I had to – I think we got it right. Uh, I thought Jackson State should jump up to two in our poll we have, and, and they are a big win. They got the, the big game against A&T this weekend. And Prairie View, I think we really got it right. Prairie, Prairie View at four. Arkansas uh, pop off at five. Coming up, even, albeit you know a deep deep win or whatever, I, I really think that in our major poll, I think we really got it right. Alcorn stayed at, at seven. I think we really got it right in terms of how the polling looks on the on the major. Yeah, I I and, and
2: I, I, I know we in North Carolina, but you know nine, ten, and those receiving votes kinda of got that by uh, default because we ran we we we, we kinda of ran out of team we had to put somebody at nine and ten.
4: <laughs> Southern I'm
2: not impressed I'm not impressed with Southern does yet. A and T no. they just have a gaunt- they have a gauntlet of a schedule. Hopefully they'll be able to get some wins and move up. A and T is better than that number ten ranking but their schedule is brutal. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I just thought they,
1: would do, I thought they would do better against Furman. And I, I thought they would come out better than Furman. It's, it's, so, we'll see against Central, but I and I'll be at that game. But I I thought they would come out better against Furman in that game. I, I even talked to Aggie people, and I thought they would come out and play better, and, and it would be a closer score than Furman. So. Yeah, one last thing
2: before we go. Shout out to Bluefield State in their first season of 41 years with two victories already on the season over CIAA competition as a Division II independent.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and, and they deserve it. I was looking at that too. I, I, I was very impressed of what they're doing. If they can't continue. I don't care who it is in the CIAA. Then you have to have that respect for them. AD, before you let people know how they can follow you, um and reach out to you sir i appreciate that top 10 man because like i said i think i think we all got kind
2: of right on this one yeah uh you can find me on twitter at dcsa d-r-e-w that's b as a boy c is a charlie s is a sam n is in and nancy d as a Dave, r as a robert d as an edward w as a william on uh at and again, at BCSN Drew. Uh, You can also find me on the Black College Sports Network, my BCSN, and the number one on all social media. And if you want to watch the Alabama A&M versus Tuskegee matchup this Saturday from Mobile, Alabama, the Gulf Coast Classic, I will be on uh, one of the three in the broadcast booth for that particular game, along with my partner, Brian Fulford. And Coach uh, Greg Ruffin will be uh, calling that game live mobile. That's at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And that will be on mybcsn.net slash gcc. So tune in, watch us uh, if you're not watching the uh, Aggie Eagle Classic.
1: Hey, say that again before you go. Uh, And I know Coach uh, uh, Miles, but
2: give that uh, address out, that web address. It's it's gonna be on mybcsn.net dot net slash GCC for Gulf Coast uh Classic. And you can also find that game on social media at mybcsn BCSN at the number one. It will be on our Facebook and YouTube pages as well.
1: Hey D I appreciate you, brother, as always, man. You be safe. I will talk with you over the weekend. I'm I'll be and um uh green from the A and uh, central land the classic right. and uh you're there and uh appreciate you brother you be careful man thank you so much
2: appreciate you my brother thanks for the invite once again
1: all right ad drew always good to have him on to talk some uh top 10 our top 10 at the hbcu sports media association if you're not familiar i'll uh, go to black college sports network as well gonna uh take a quick break a 30 second break and i appreciate his patience and time chenis berry head football coach in the dick college gonna talk about um uh, the the i think a, it's i mean it's still a loss but a a positive uh, a loss to savannah state getting ready of course for the uh Ken, kentucky state game uh at the circuit Cir- uh circuit uh, city classic on the Bachelor News radio show. Stay tuned. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Welcome back to the show. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you can go to our website, thebassnews.airtime.pro, airtime.pro. You can listen right now. there. are at 646-929-0130. I want to bring in the uh, my next guest. Always uh, to have coaches on because coaches give you real talk. He is head football coach at uh, Benedict College. He is in and And coach, Coach, uh, uh, good to have you on, and thank you First for call. your patience as you oh, step in. You step in the, you you step me in me. the name, yeah, you step in the name of love. Uh, we appreciate that, <laughs> as, uh, coach. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, you heard the conversation we had. We have a black college uh, sports poll uh, at uh, the HBC Sports Media Association, and and you guys are in that top ten. And I uh, again uh people can go back and whatever. I I said, listen, this Benedict football team is special. And I thought, listen, if you if you beat Savannah State or you went toe to toe with them that you are my top five. And yeah. you went toe to toe. Um tell me though what happened in the first half. You're down you know, twenty-seven, what thirteen, something like that. Touchdowns, and what you said to kind of motivate you guys to get back in the game because this is a Savannah State team that wasn't. Again, you guys were no COVID, and they they were playing during COVID, and and they had some good wins, and and certainly you had, but you guys uh, played well. So so talk about this game and. And what happened in the first half and what
3: happened in the second half? First of all, man, thank you so much for having me on tonight, man. I appreciate you guys yes, and what you guys do, doing and, and pushing and marketing on uh, HBCU football, man. But uh, in terms of that game, man, we came up with a great game plan, man. We, we had a good mindset. We have been feeling pretty good, man. We were coming off 2-0, and we knew going down into another team's territory that we were going to have to have our A game. But, unfortunately, we started slow. Uh, you know, we had some problems fitting their their option attack. You know, it was a little different for us than what we've seen the first couple of weeks. Uh, we had some problems fitting it. And uh, the reality is uh, we had a slow start, you know. And, uh, you know, you can't go into somebody else's uh, backyard and have a slow start, man. But right. guys, man, continue to stay positive, man. One of our philosophies is just believe it. You have to believe in the process. And as long as there's time on the clock, just keep playing, keep fighting, play the next play. In the game of football, good things are going to happen, keep playing. And in the game of football, bad things are going to happen, keep playing. But, uh, you know, when we went down to 14 points, 13 at half, man, you know, I just reassured the young men that uh, we came here on a mission. Our mission was to be 1-0, and oh, and the game's not over yet. And, and they came out in that second half with a whole different mindset and really put ourselves in position to win a football game at the end, but we just came up came up short, man. But I, I like our football team. I like the direction we're headed. I like the talent we have. I love the coaching staff. And I think we got a chance to be special this year.
1: You know, they had a couple of long drives against you guys. In particular, that first drive, I think it was seven plays, 80 yards. And then they had another one, eight or nine plays or 60 yards or whatever it was. Um, to take that uh, 14 to nothing lead, did they doing offensively that your defensive staff and you guys didn't see or it was just about you know executing and making sure tackling and and all the things I play defense all the things that you know defensive coaches are are, are about make sure you're tackling good technique and, and all those things
3: you know you know man I think we really had a good plan uh, we had a great plan for what we were doing. I mean, we, we had film on; we knew what they were doing. But it just came down to execution, man. Guys not in the right fits, you know, not getting guys to the ground, tackling, you know. And and when that when that happens, man, that's that's going to be set up for disaster. I mean, in the game of football, man, you got to be able to stop the run. You got to be able to run the football on offense. You got to be able to stop the run on defense. And we just couldn't cut the water off in the first half, man. They they were running that ball and like that drive, a couple of those drives you're talking about. I mean, most of those drives were all runs and maybe one or two passes. So, you know, we were able to make some adjustments at the half, and, and I thought our defense did an amazing job uh, after the break and, and, and put be able to put a stop to uh, things they were doing on offense.
1: Uh, it, you know, Coach, when you, you look at the uh, stats for people who don't uh, know about Benedict College at football, uh, you, you look at the first round, right, and and you guys uh, primarily, and it, it, it could have been because of the uh, of the situational uh, part of the game, as you know, uh, primarily uh, most of your first downs were on on the passing and, and less on the rushing. But again, that has to do with you trying to get back into the game. So um, when you look at first downs, when you look at rushing and they, they ran the ball, really well, um, and you look at the fact that you know, your passing was very good. Where, if any, do you have any concerns of going into your next game in terms of uh, on that, that side of the ball or special teams where you have to make sure that you kind of shore some things up?
3: Well, you know, we always strive for balance. You know, we want to be able a run the football effectively as well as pass the football. But like you say, in the different situations in the game, you get yourself behind, you know, you might have to just rely on, the, you know, throwing the ball around a little bit more than, than running the ball. So, you know, anytime we go into a football game, we want to make sure that we can be able to establish our running game. You know, running game is what it's all about. You, you know, it's demoralizing to a defense where you can consistently run the ball, you know, up and down the field. So, you know, just going into this game here, you know, just like any game, we're, we're going we're gonna to look to try to establish a running game. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to ultimately at the end of the day. But, you know, I'm a firm believer in do what the defense gives you. You know, if they're giving you the run, run the ball. If they're giving you the pass, pick it up and pour it around the yard. So, you know, ultimately we have good balance. We strive for good balance. We have a really good quarterback. We got really good receivers. Uh, I really like our running back room as well as our O-line and tight end room. So, you know, it just goes whatever the party calls for for that moment in the game. But uh, like you say man um we we want to definitely uh, have balance, but we won't, we always want to be able to run that football uh
1: if you're just joining us with uh Channis Berry. he's a football coach at, uh, college uh, the tigers, and our top five on the HBCU sports media association uh top five and certainly one of the better teams, HBCU, and 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 one of the better coach teams uh, getting ready for the uh circle city of uh, Classic, Coach. Uh, for those who are not familiar and very competitive, I would say with with Morehouse and Lane and Miles um, and, and others in uh, Fort Valley and your conference. Um, for those who are not familiar with your program, talk about you know, if, you, if it's your floor to highlight guys on offense, guys on defense, what your philosophies are. Uh, this is your moment to really do that.
3: Well, you know, uh, we're we're Kennedy College in Columbia, South Carolina, man. We're we're um in division two S I A C Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, man. I'm super excited to be back in this league, man. I actually I actually played in this league, man. Right. I played at Savannah State from ninety one to ninety four and uh, you know, I started you're my coach young, in and school. and
1: you're a young man too, by the way. I'm old, much older than you, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Coach. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I don't feel young sometimes, but, man, i tell you what, man. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's just being a product of the SIAC, man. I'm glad to see the direction of the conference, man. You know, it's some good competitive teams in this conference, a lot of parity in this league. And, you know, I left for a while, um, you know, coached at Fort Valley, coached at Mars Brown when they had football back in right. 96. And, and uh, I actually coached at Kentucky State. I, I got my master's degree from Kentucky State. So I was there on that staff from 97 to 2001. Um, I'm sorry, to 2000. And then, you know, I went on to start in the MEAC at uh, North Carolina and t spent some 10 years in the MEAC, then spent another seven years in the SWAC, man. So I've been all over the HBCU landscape other than the CIAA, man. But in terms of Benedict College, man, it's a great place, a great place with amazing support from an amazing administration. You know, our president is very bought into our program, Dr. Rosna Arda. She's, she's, she's a great leader. Uh, our athletic director, Mr. Willie Washington, man, they're very supportive of, our, of my vision and what we're trying to accomplish. And our philosophy is we chase A's, B's, C's, and D's. Those are A's and B's in the classroom. Our C's are championships, and our D's are degrees. That's what we're all about. You know, if we don't want young men that's not serious about A's and B's in the classroom chasing championships and uh, ultimately to graduating with their degree in hand so they can be ready for the game of life. So, you know, like I say, man, it's been a journey, man. I was hired uh, February 11, 2020 as a head football coach. After spending seven years at Southern University as an office coordinator, man. Since the day I arrived, man, we have young men that really believe and are bought into the program. We just wanted to change the roster, change the, the mindsets, change the facilities, you know, change all the things that's going to help us recruit and retain student athletes. You know, you're talking about, you know, when I first was hired, my first team meeting, we had 59 players in the first team meeting. We're now up to 130 players, man, guys that really believe in the process, uh, love, discipline, and and accountability. We've doubled our roster. We've upgraded our weight room, uh, getting a brand new weight room at the moment. We've upgraded our locker rooms. Uh, we've upgraded our coaches' office. We, 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 we've uh, built relationships all over the campus community from the cafeteria to the physical plant to the dormitories, you know, just people believing it. And and, and and on this campus, man, we don't speak by saying hi and bye. We speak by saying go Tigers. And we have the entire student body, uh, faculty, staff, administration, believing in that process because it's about having pride in your university, pride in your college. And uh, we've established that on this campus. Those guys are believing. You know we just gotta you know just continue to learn how to win win those close games, man. You know our first two games were pretty lopsided, you know we won uh, pretty convincingly, and then that that third game, you know, it was a tight one, so we had to come back from behind, we tied it up at thirty four, but we got to find ways to win those post games and get those guys to continue to finish the process and see if we can come away next time we have a tight game on the, on the uh, on the winning side. Coach, you know, I have to ask
1: you just to follow up on it. I mean, you've had think about the the, the conversations and the accomplishments you've had offensively and at Southern and every and you know having offenses that have been prolific and scoring a lot of points. Um, is that something you and you? I know you you know, the coach. You got recruiters going to these homes and stuff, but just in terms philosophy of it and and knowing you know your experiences and your successes in the swag and everywhere else you know what do you say going into these these homes to to these kids and and um obviously you know what is it one percent one two percent make it to the nfl um what do you say to these kids and and, and and in terms of being successful on the field, and and having that opportunity to say, listen, you know, your kids gonna graduate under me. I mean, yeah. what what kind of conversations are you having in these 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 households
3: with these parents or parent? Oh yeah, that's 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 what it all comes down to is recruiting. You know, we tell these parents and you know, we tell these young men, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, the game of football is going to be over. Okay. It's going to be over. Even if the good Lord bless you to play 10, 15 years in the national football league, it's going to be over one day. But And this program, Benedict College, we're going to get you ready for the game we call life. There's life after football. There's only one guarantee about it in this game of football that it's going to be over and you got to get ready. So we want young men to serious about, you know, their academics, man, because ultimately if they don't retain and stay uh, we won't have long anyway. We don't want to just recruit a young man and then the next year he's gone. We want to re- recruit him and then we want to have retention. You know, so when we go in these living rooms, we just tell these kids first of all we gonna care about them, we gonna love them. we right? we gonna care about them as a young man, not just as a football player. Because they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, we go into some homes with some real, you know, adverse backgrounds in terms of family situations. You know, a lot of times we go into single parent homes. You know, and a lot of times we serve that role as a father figure because, right. you know, these kids come from these different type of situations. If you show a young man you care about him and you love him and you'll do all you can to help him become a better man, football will come. I mean, obviously we're recruiting him because he can play football. You know, that, that's, that's why we're in the living room. If he couldn't play, we wouldn't be in the living room. You'd best to believe that. All right, so the football part is going to take care of itself. We want to recruit the souls. We want to make sure. That, that that not only we we win it on the football field but we win it souls, man. And you know I've been coaching now for 27 years on the college level, man. And you know some of my biggest thrills as a coach is not you know the championships I won. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. But what about the souls I want? What about the young men that, mm. that when I, I go into these living rooms, man, this is a ministry. Coaching is a ministry, man. Look, mm. man, I get to be in the front of 130. Young black men, every single day, not on Sunday, every single day. What I say, what I how I speak, how I dress, how I talk, they're impressionable. 18 to 22, 23, sometimes 24 year young men. What you say is important. So I have nine or ten coaches. I have 130 players. I have student body people that are looking at me. Everything I do, they when I talk about family and life after football, it's important. It's a ministry. And I love it every day. I'm, I tell our players, man, you don't got to do this. I get to be the head coach at Benedict College. I get to play this game. You get to be a student athlete at Benedict College, and man, you don't got to do anything, but you get to. And if you get to every day, you wake up, and your feet hit the ground, you thank the Lord for another opportunity, and you go out and try to get one percent better every day on the field and off the field.
1: Mm-mm-mm. That
3: That's profound, right there.
1: I mean. Um uh it, it's not uh in some cases at different levels coach as you know is not realistic but it's certainly realistic and profound in what you're doing at Benedict college i i mean i am not just saying that i mean i really god you make me want my 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 teenager to go <laughs> to, <laughs> to, 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 I want to sign up. He plays football and basketball, too. So, I mean, it's really crazy. So, um, on the field, when you look at your game now, you get Kentucky State. And um, this is a very good football team. It really is, obviously. Um, and you play Lucas Oil Fill, the Circuit uh, City Classic. And, 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 and so, before we get it, to them how big of it is for you and your underclassmen and your coaches and everybody else in going on and playing this this game which will be uh televised um you know for your program.
3: Well, you know, it's our next opponent, Kentucky State, you know, a well coached football team. Yeah. You know, and I think it's great you know, opportunity for our young men when they first called and asked about this opportunity to come participate in Circle City Classic, I, I was all about it. Why? Because it's another experience for our, you know our young men. Are most most of them are from the southeastern part of the country, you know, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, and not many of them may have been able to, you know, travel to to the Midwest, you know, and uh, to be able to play in the NFL venue. You know, where the, where the Indianapolis coach play and be able to have that experience. I mean, that's, that's second to none, just being able to go and, you know, get a chance to go in the NFL locker room and play on the NFL field. You know, uh, these guys grow up every day um, idolizing these NFL players, man. Just get a chance to go up there and play. But like I tell them, I continue to play them. Guys, at the end of the day, guess what? That field is still 100 yards long, 53 in the third wide. All right? We're going up for a business trip. We're going to try to come back one and up. That's our whole mission. That's our whole objective. But it's an awesome experience for these young men. I mean, I, I'm i excited for them, man, just to be able to, you know, get up there and let them get to the – we actually get a chance to practice up there tomorrow, uh, get a chance to let the guys walk around, get it out of their system, take a few pictures, and then let them start locking in on what we came up there for. So that's to go one and all. Uh Coach, I, I...
1: – you too because I, and I know you do it one game at a time, but I gotta tell you, Kentucky State, Fort Valley, Miles, Albany, Morehouse, uh some on the road, some at home. What went into this schedule, the way it's set up, I mean you got the big circle city game, but you got some really I mean Clark, Lane at Lane is very good this year. And so the what went into this schedule? Because it, I mean, it's it's a very tough schedule where you're on the road or at home. Well,
3: I, be, I think more so it kind of just fell that way, with just the, the how how the conference flows. You know, schedules are pretty much set, you know, a couple okay. of years in advance, of and of course a lot of this happened before I even got there, you know. Uh, but we just personal on our schedule. You know, we're going to prepare. Our coaches are going to prepare for for the next people on our schedule, and right now it's Kentucky State. I mean, I don't even know who we play after that, to be honest. You know,
0: <laughs> we getting get
3: ready for Savannah. I mean, for Fort Kentucky Valley State, Fort Valley State, Fort Valley State. <laughs> nothing I don't even know nothing about them. I know nothing about them, man. All getting ready for that green and gold, man. Uh, that green and gold Kentucky State, man. I don't know nothing about the next opponent.
1: Let me ask you this final question. uh, Let you go. I appreciate you standing on as long as you have. What are the keys to getting the win against a very good Kentucky uh, State uh, team?
3: Tell you what. First of all, start on the offensive side of the ball. You know, we have to be able to protect the football. You know, ball security is huge. All right, we have to be able to protect the football. We have to be able to do a good job of of seeing what they're doing in terms of their front, their coverages, and and go and try to execute, man. We have to try to establish a running game. You know, we want to be sound in protection. And we want to eliminate the self-inflicted negatives. Those are what I call sins. You know, things that has nothing to do with the opponent. Um, you look up, you have those pre-snap penalties and false stars and things of that nature. We got to get better with that. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it come down to we got to stop the run. You know, that's what it come down to at the end of the day and defend the an explosive play for a deep ball for whatever reason but well, they're going to try to establish a running game. They, they are, they're a running football team. They run triple option, and there's no secret. In special teams, we just got to be special. That's why they call it special teams. We got to win the field position battle. You know, we can't let a punt roll back, or we have to win the field position battle and, 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 and do a very good job of that. But ultimately, on any game, if you ever talk to me, Coach Barry, I'm always going to say this. The key to victory is winning the effort battle, winning the turnover battle, winning the penalty battle, and winning the explosive play battle. If you can win those four things, you have a chance to win a football game. So that doesn't change on whoever we play. Those are the goals and objectives week in and week out.
1: It's so important for you to say um, that what you're going to do, not what they're going to do. It's, it's, it, you know, the fact that, <laughs> like you said, um, winning the, the key battle on, on turnovers, uh, I don't think coaches really – trust that enough because turnovers happen but really i mean you you can have four turnovers and the other team only has one or none then that's half the battle there but uh coach i appreciate you man i appreciate your time i appreciate your efforts i appreciate your patience and best of luck uh in uh indiana and uh we'll get you on man anytime you want to Come on and, and, and talk some Benedict College uh, Tiger stuff, man. We we are here for you, and we thank you. And like I said, uh, and me personally, I I thought if y'all did well against Savannah State, you're in the top five. And in our polling, you are in our top five. So, uh, awesome, I just- awesome.
3: Thank you, man. Thank you for your support, man. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. And,
1: uh, you know, I guess we'll
3: see each other sometime later this season.
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks you so much.
3: Thank you, man. Go Tigers.
1: All right. Uh, always good to have our coaches on. of course, uh, uh, Shannis Perry is the head football coach at Benedict College. Uh, they get ready. Uh, coming off a very tough loss uh, uh, against Savannah State, getting ready for Kentucky State. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you can go to our website, thebassinews.airtime.pro. Bachelor with a T. That's B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R news.airtime.pro um, Big shout out to all, all people listening at Raleigh and Carrie and some other places Virginia. All our new listeners, appreciate you. Um, don't forget Whisper Softly, which is uh, love songs that come on right now. Uh, you can listen to and And our podcast is or my show podcast is at ten a m and of course at three p m eastern at 3.
5: Thank you.